Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in to a Daily Devo with Vince and Bo. It is Monday, June 1st. So we are finished with our month-long journey through the book of Proverbs as a church. We're starting a new month. We don't have a theme for this month, but this week we're actually, actually going to start out by talking about some of the things we talked about in church yesterday. Some of the um, horror that has happened in our country over the last couple weeks, kind of culminating especially with last week and George Floyd, um, his killing by a former police officer in the Minneapolis area. This has sparked just outrage across the country. Um, lots of protests. Some of those have turned um, violent, as we all know. And I think um, if you go online on Facebook, there's all sorts of different um, opinions out there. But my guess is that a lot of people, um, a lot of people are very vocal about this is what I think, this is what I believe. And it can sometimes make us think that everybody knows exactly what they think about an issue. But I think a lot of people, many, maybe some of you watching on Facebook, you're not exactly sure how to think about this kind of thing from a biblical perspective. You are struggling, going, okay, what does scripture say? Obviously there are things that are clearly wrong, but how do I think about this as a Christian? And how do I think about standing up for what I believe? So we are gonna try to talk about that at least today, maybe a few more times this week, um, just how to think about the race-related issues going on in our country. We are, we know this is a very hot button issue on both sides of the aisle, and everybody on the surface believes the same things, right? We're all against unjust killing, we're all for unity, we're all for equality, but yet there's still a lot of tension in the best way to work towards those things and how to think about those things. So we're gonna give our best attempt to try to share some biblical wisdom on this topic or just a biblical view. I want to go check the Facebook uh, feed right now. One, to make sure we're coming through and to connect with some of you. And you know what, now that I'm here, I'm thinking we are coming through. Oh no, here we are. Yeah, we're all, we're live. We are live. I don't know that's, why I couldn't That's reassuring. It. Yeah, here we are. What's up, Daniel? What's up, Ed? What's up, Mike Spencer? Hey, Christina. Hey, Edna. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. So, um, what's the best place to start, Bo? We could both start with some of our own journey on this topic. Maybe yeah. share some stories of them, some things that have influenced our own thinking. Or well, we could go to scripture or whatever well, you think. Well, you know, one thing that comes to my mind that, you, as you mentioned, you know, we're, I don't think we're really talking to anybody who is not aghast or troubled by yes. uh, the abuse of any human being yes. at the hands of anybody, but especially law enforcement. Yes. Um, you know, what we witnessed with uh, George Floyd was just horrifying and so painful and difficult to deal with. Um, one of the things that makes it complicated is when you express outrage or just pain from this event, um, that some people may construe that as, base, as being against law enforcement. Right. And that's unfortunate because yeah. 
just as it, there's no one individual that represents an entire race of people or an, or an entire organization of people, um, you know, the actions of one or, or a minority of law enforcement personnel um, is not indicative of everybody's behavior. Right. Just like not all African Americans pose a threat to law enforcement. The, the problem is, is that um, that's in the mind or that's in the thinking of some people when they see an African American male, they feel threatened. It's just, they, they just do. Um, and you, you could say, well, there are some reasons for that. The crime rate is higher in certain neighborhoods and areas, and law enforcement has, has had negative uh, experiences with people of the African-American community. And there's so many different factors that come to bear. Um, and it gets difficult when you go to address these things because by saying you're against the act of violence against George Floyd doesn't mean you're against all police officers. Right. And it doesn't mean that you're saying that all police officers abuse their power or authority. Um, yeah. You know, every case has to be looked at individually. We feel this tension a little bit with me and Joe because her sister is a police officer and her brother-in-law, her little sister, future brother-in-law is a police officer. So she feels that tension of wanting to speak up about the injustice, but then and not having any qualms about that, but yeah. then also knowing that some people mm -hmm. will see it as being against police officers, which is not because her siblings are. Yeah. Her siblings, yeah. Um, you know, Sorry, keep going. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that, it, it, so it's, it gets complicated, um, but y you know, we have to basically, I think, go to the, you know, to the events and, um, and call things for what they are. And clearly the, 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 act against George Floyd was excessive, it was unnecessary. Here's a man handcuffed, posing no real threat to anybody, but he was, had to be retained in that brutal way while he's begging for his life. You know, it's just mind-blowing that an individual could stay in that posture for more than eight minutes with his knee on his neck and not consider that he could be bringing that person to, if not death, at least severe injury unnecessarily. And equally troubling was the fact that the other police officers just stood there. I mean, I don't understand that at all. You know, it just blows my mind. Um, so I, I get the outrage. I get the response that's happening in our country. I don't condone the violence, um, but when people are, are, are hurt, and they feel like, and of course, this isn't an isolated incident. There's a long, long, long list of, of African-Americans that have died at the hands of police. Um, and I'm pro-police, I'm pro-law enforcement. I have the utmost respect for these people, these men and women who put their lives on the line to protect us. And so, you know, I'm, I'm very much in favor of, of people that fulfill this critical role in our culture but it is so troubling. And what, what it points out to me is that there is still in this country a deep-seated uh, racism that exists. When you treat another group of people differently in general, and you treat them so much as other, it, it's going to invite this kind of behavior. I was talking to my daughter yesterday. She was telling me about a, a couple in their neighborhood where they live in Arizona. 
They're a mixed race couple. He's black, she's white. And she has shared with my daughter how she has a completely different perspective on race relations now, having married an African-American man, because of the many times this, her husband, mm -hmm. who is, he's, he's reasonably successful, drives a nice car, lives in a you know, nice neighborhood, will be followed by police for no reason other than that he's African-American, or be pulled over, or be stopped while he's taking a walk in his neighborhood and question, why are you here? Who are you? What are you doing? She said she's witnessed this, or she's heard it from him multiple times of how just because he's an African-American man in a white, mostly white community, he's singled out, he's treated differently. And I think this just reveals the, the suspicion, fear that we have, and um, that when I say we, that is in our culture. Yeah. And um, where does all this come from? Well, gosh, we don't have time to delve into all of that. Yeah. But Vince, I know that you grew up in, in a multi-ethnic community when you were younger. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of your memories that have kind of shaped and formed your thinking on these matters? Yeah. Well, just a couple thoughts, and I'll share one story I was thinking about mm -hmm. sharing. But um, for everybody listening, a lot of you are very passionate for social justice, for justice, for these things. And we just want to say we are passionate for those same things, too. And maybe we don't say it enough, and maybe some of you feel like we don't say it enough, but this is something that is near and dear to our hearts, and we want to take a stand for it. We also, in a devotion like this, we don't want to just preach to the choir. Mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to also connect with people who maybe just haven't thought about it a lot, um, or maybe who feel some, some tension. So if you're listening to us talk and going, where, you know, there should be more outrage. There is outrage. Mm -hmm. um, but we're also trying to help people connect and think about this that maybe just haven't thought much about it. So one story from my journey that might be helpful for some of you that just haven't thought about this that much, that see the outrage and go, I don't feel that. What's wrong with me? Or what's wrong with them? Or why, mm -hmm. why is everybody so mad about this? Yes, it was horrible but it was one thing and it isn't that big of a deal and racism isn't that bad. I know that some of you watching feel that. Um, so one story from my life, it actually isn't from my childhood, um, but I think I went through a period where I kind of didn't quite get it, mm -hmm. you know, where I was like, yeah, some people are racist, but how big of a problem is it in the whole country, right? And, and there's a part of me that thought, there's a lot of news stories um, that maybe are going viral now that couldn't go viral before the internet. And so it looks worse, but maybe it's gotten better. And I don't know whether it's gotten worse or better in the last 20 years. Maybe some people would say it has gotten better. But regardless, I had a friend, African-American lady, worship leader at a church I was at, and we were talking about this. And at that point, I still, I didn't quite get it. And I'm not saying I get it now in the way that an African-American person would or mm -hmm. does. 
but she was like, she had two high school age boys, right? Both of them African American. And she was talking me through like all the rules that she had for them of when they had to be home by, what to do if they were stopped, what not to do. And it was stuff I would never think to tell mm -hmm. a white high school kid. You know what I mean? It right. was all stuff that if I have kids someday that are in high school, I'm, if, unless we adopt a kid that's non-white, it's stuff I'm not going to have to tell right. my kids. Right. But as, as she was saying it, I realized in that moment, if my kids were black, like if we adopted black kids, without even thinking about it, I knew I would be telling them all these same things. Yeah. I had never thought about it, yeah. but if I was like, wait a minute, if there was someone in my family who was black, I would not feel safe until they were right. restraining themselves and doing all these things and being home at certain times and acting certain ways and walking certain ways and not walking in public at certain places. And when I thought, oh, other people that aren't connected to me, I thought it's not that big of a deal. But when I actually put myself in the shoes of having a family member who is black, in that moment, for mm -hmm. that brief moment, I felt all the fear, mm -hmm. all of the worry, all of the, oh my gosh, I have mm -hmm. to tell them all of these things to keep them safe in our culture. Mm -hmm. It was a really game-changing moment for me. It illustrates something that I think is the, the, the conclusion I came to after my conversation with my daughter about her friend. Yeah. Is that very similar? Yeah. yeah, is that there? Are, there, your experience as a as a white person in America is going to be very different yeah. from your experience as a black person Radically in America. Different. There, there are two worlds in terms of how you're going to be, you're going to approach life. Right. And um, and I had this illustrated for me by a gentleman in our church, African American man, who um, is a, do a doctor, and he was actually on his way to the hospital to, you know fulfill a shift there. Yeah. And he got pulled over for speeding or something, maybe a taillight, light, uh, taillight out or something like that. And he realized that his driver's license was in his doctor's bag in the back seat. And um, he knew not to just reach back for it mm -hmm. without first telling the police officer, you know, what he was, where his license was and what he needed to do to get his hand on it so that he could present it because he knew that if he was seen reaching into a bag, that yeah. the thought that might occur to that police officer, of course, is that he's reaching for a weapon. Yeah. I would never have that fear as a white person. Right. If I had to right. reach into a glove compartment for my right. license or to the back seat for my license, or I would never think, oh, I, just, I might get shot. Yeah, right. But that's a valid fear, yeah. I think, if you're an African-American. and. Uh, and, and it's not to impugn police. It's, not, again, not the point. My point right. is your experience as a black person in America, it appears to me, is a completely different experience yeah. from a white person. Right. Now, as Christians, as people of God, you know, where we want to land on this issue, and every issue is, is a, a biblical pl place. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so I think it's rather apparent, it's clear, um, that God loves all people of all races. And in fact, you could say technically there's only one race, that's the human race. We're all descendants of Adam. Yeah. Yet at the same time, uh, the Bible acknowledges that there are different nations, languages, tribes, 
you know, even speaks of that, that, that from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people, there will be people gathered around the throne giving worship to God. So God acknowledges, he sees the diversity in the world that he made. Right. And what the, but what the Bible is so beautiful, what it so beautifully depicts is that God is for everybody. You know, in the Great right. Commission, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. Yeah. And the Greek word for nations there is ethnos, and it's mm. the, from which we get the word ethnic group. Mm. And so that's breaking it down to the smallest identifiable group of people. Uh, Jesus is saying, I am for every single ethnic group on the planet. And there is no race of people, no nation of people um, beyond the scope of God's love and uh, forgiveness through Christ. Um, I've heard testimonies of people who were, you know, just racist to, their, to the core of their being, who after coming to Christ, God began to work that out of them. Um, in fact, I read recently the story of a guy who was a white supremacist. He was in one of these radical groups who was converted and he now works for racial reconciliation. The power of the gospel to change lives. You know, we, we know that ultimately that's the only thing that can root out hatred, bitterness, fear, racism, all of these things that we see uh, in evidence at times like this, um, mm -hmm. just to remind us all that um, God loves everybody of every race, every ethnic group, nationality, language, you name it, they're going to be in heaven. Heaven is going to be populated with people from every place on the planet. Let me, let's wrap this up, Vince, with yeah. one quick story, an experience yeah. of mine. Um, years ago, we had the opportunity, a group from our church, to go to uh, the island nation of Grenada to take part in some ministry there. And um, Grenada is, um, well, it's almost completely African Black. descent. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, so 95% or more, you know. And um, for years, our church had partnered with a church in Cincinnati to put on an Easter production. Mm -hmm. And it happened to be an African-American church and so we grew in just real close relationship with these folks we just look forward every year to partnering together in this big event and um, saw tremendous fruit come from it so we took a team to Grenada from both of these churches and when we went to Grenada and it was a music group that we would, would lead with we would set up on the street corners or wherever we could a public space, a basketball court, or whatever it might be, and just begin to play music. And the people were amazed that there were black people and white people partnering together in some way. And it gave us credibility. And um, uh, they, we would just, uh, it, and, and we loved each other, and it was apparent that we loved each other. And that was such a strong statement to this group, to this nation. Um, and we just saw tremendous things coming out of it. So I, I, I know, <laughs> at least in a small way, you know, where we can, where we can get to. Mm -hmm. When we have the love of Jesus in our hearts, um, where you can celebrate the diversity 
of, of other groups of people and, and, and pull together with the common bond of having Jesus. When we would lift our voices and worship God, we're all singing praises to the same God who made us all and um, pointing people to the same Jesus who died for all. And, um, you know, I love the fact that Jesus was neither white nor black, that he was right in the middle. He was Middle Eastern. If anything, he was brown. And so it's like, he, it speaks to the fact that he was representing us all when he went to the cross. Amen. And I guess if I was going to just make any kind of exhortation today, it would, be, it would be this, that if in the midst of watching the reaction to, to the death of George Floyd, watching the violence that's erupted, the demonstrations, if you're finding in your heart maybe some antipathy toward these groups that are doing this, and I, and I in no way condone violence of anybody against anybody else, but if there's something rising up in you that you feel something other than love or compassion, um, let this be a time of self-examination and say, God, if there's anything in me that's not of you, root it out and replace it with your love. Um, and again, that does not excuse illegal behavior or, or certainly violence against other people. But um, I do believe that as we the closer we are to God, the more love we have for our fellow man, regardless of racial or um, whatever differences might exist. Um, there's so much more we could say on that subject, but we're out of time, so yeah. we better wrap this up. But let's close with a word of prayer yeah. for our nation at this troubled time. Father, we lift up to you our nation, which is in turmoil even now as we speak. Father, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, you would put a, a blanket of peace over the nation and that you would help us, Lord, to, um, to, to root out, God, racism wherever it exists, even if it's on our own hearts and we don't know it, show it to us, Lord. And help us to be a people, Lord, filled with your pure love because you do love everybody. You showed that when you died on the cross for the whole world. And so God, we thank you for what you did for us. We thank you that when we are in your presence, gathered around your throne, there will be people from every tribe, tongue, language, and, and people group, Father, giving praise to your name. Mm -hmm. Help us as a nation, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, see you later. <laughs>